pray. Lord, we worship you today, God. We glorify your holy name, Father. Lord, as we sang today, God, we declare your greatness, mighty King of glory, God. We declared your mercy, mighty King of glory. Father, we spoke of your cross, O oh God, the cross, Lord, that redeemed us, O oh God, and that's why we are here, Lord. It's not because of our own accord, Father, but it's you, Lord, who has gone before us, mighty King of glory. You made us right, Father, where we were wrong, God. You've brought us even to this place today, Lord, because of your grace, O oh God. Let us not take that grace as a common thing, Father. Let us not take that grace as a common thing, mighty King of glory. That when we come before you, Lord, whether it's your word, God, whether it's worship, whatever it is, Lord, that you have a God, we give you glory. We honor you with everything we have, God. And tonight, Father, as we listen to the word that you've given us, O God, let us put the same attention to it, O God. That Jehovah God, these, these, are just, these are not just mere words, O oh God, but they are words, Lord, that you want to speak into our hearts, into our lives, God, to transform us, O King of glory, Father. God, help us, Lord, to be good soil, mighty King of glory, God, that the seed, when it comes, Lord, it will grow, Father, and you'll bear fruit, mighty King of glory, Lord. Again, the, all these are just words, God. I pray, Father, that you may move me out of the way, Lord, and just speak. If you don't put life into them, they are just nothing, Lord. So Jehovah God, speak to your people, myself included. We worship you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are continuing in the book of Romans, and today we're going to be going through Romans 12, 3 to 8. And the title for the message today is Sober Judgment. I'll try to be excited about sober judgment because you're reading really sober, you know, like supposed to be sober so that at least you guys don't fall asleep. Okay. <laughs> All right. Romans 12, 8, 3, 8, uh, 3, 8 says, For by grace given to me, I say to every, everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith and that God has give, assigned. For as... In one body we have many members, and our members do not all have the same functions. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individual members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them in prophecy, in, in proportion to our faith, in service, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So what is Paul speaking about here? Paul is speaking to an audience. First of all, Paul is speaking to an audience that, that was so big on starters. The, the, the audience he's speaking to, because he's using all these words, he's, he's speaking to an audience that was looking at what they bring to the table, how they carry themselves, and that's what you brought value according to that. So he's talking to people in the church who are taking what the world is thinking. When you think about today's world, we look at celebrity, we look at people, it's like, just because you're a celebrity, you can be a politician. Wrong. Just, you know, just because you, you have some social standing, people are going to listen to you. But when the problem with that, there's nothing wrong with that if you're of the world. But Paul is telling them, when you're in church, there is more to it, and we'll dig deep into it. And that's why he uses words like uh, grace given, that all, he, that all we have, everything we have, is not self-acquired, but it's given by grace. He used the word sober judgment, do, do not think of yourself more than you are supposed to think of yourself, right? And then he says, use words like one body, like no matter what your social standing is, before God, we are still one body. Amen. So my first point is this. 
Do judge yourself. Do judge yourself. So Romans 12.3 says, among you, among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Paul is asking them not to think of themselves highly than they ought to think, but he's actually telling them to take a moment to do an internal check. Because yeah. he says, if you cannot, if, think about it, if, you, if I'm telling you not to think of yourself more than you think that you are worth, that means you need to think about yourself, right? He does not tell them like, hey, don't, th- don't let somebody else tell you who you are. He says, take a moment to examine yourself. But in the process of examining yourself, make sure that you don't exaggerate the opinion of yourself. Yeah. Yes. Take time to speak life to yourself. And I was thinking about this because I think we as Christians, we don't have an issue with saying things. We, we don't have an issue about speaking things of God. We can speak all day about things God. We can affirm to people like, hey, bless you, sister, bless you, brother. You know, God is going to be with you. We can tell you all those things. But the question is, what are we speaking to ourselves? Right? Because sometimes we as Christians, we judge ourselves a little bit harder than we are supposed to be, even though we do judge ourselves. And we are, I'm going somewhere. You guys are still sinners, and I am too. But there is a measure of judging ourselves. Because you think about it, these people who pay, hopefully, okay. These people who pay a lot of money to go listen to somebody for so long to tell them about, hey, you, 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 you know, proclaim it and, 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 and then you can have it. You know, in the business world, that's a big thing. People will go out and they'll pay thousands of dollars to be in a conference of our weekend to be motivated to be who they are. And they, they will go and they will talk about all these amazing things that they had. They will write it down and then they will come back. And some of them will actually implement them and they will be very successful. But that's a mere human being who's telling them that. Yeah, the Lord has gone beyond that and he said who we are. He's died on the cross for us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's done all those things, but we beat ourselves down. We don't take the moment to realize that, yeah, you, yes, we are sinners, but God has redeemed us. We talked about the cross today. God has done above beyond to make sure that we know who we are. Five people said yes, so we'll continue. If all of you guys said yes, like good, we'd have continued, we'd have gone home. So how come that our God who is real and has shown us tangible changes, he has written it all down and continued to be the same yesterday, today, and forever, yet we refuse to appropriate the word of God that he's given to us? How come we don't do that? Hey, man, how are you doing? Oh, man, it's really bad. Life is bad, and I, I, I'm just a failure. Things are not just going to go well. You are Christian. You've been purchased by a praise of God. Yes, things are going wrong. Yeah, the world is crazy, but guess what? How about, hey, you know what? Things are really, really bad, but you know what? God is still on the throne. God is still on the throne. He hasn't changed. You're like, listen, the same God that parted the sea, he is still on the throne. So my issues that I have right now, I know he can do it. Right? The same God that has done amazing, beyond anything we can ever think or imagine, he is still on the throne. And I know Paul is speaking about the gifts as we continue. He's talking about all these gifts that we have. But before we even talk about those gifts, I want us to talk about the vessel that holds those gifts. Because we have to prepare ourselves to be that clean vessel that holds those gifts. 
And part of it is changing our mind because if we change our mind and realize that we have been created and God has gone a long, a long way to bring us to where we are so then he can use us for his kingdom, then we can look at ourselves in a different way. And I think the first step of this is being vulnerable before God. Allowing God to truly search us and reveal those areas in our life that are lacking and those things that we are doing well too. When I go before God, I pray. I'm like, Lord, yes, please forgive me my sin. And please, also in the process of that, could you please let me know what I'm doing right so then I can continue to do that more so. Because you think about it, if you think about our kids and people that we, even employees or all those people, we don't just go tell them all the bad things that they are doing. Right? We tell them, okay, hey, you know what's the sandwich, right? You're doing really good. This thing sucks. But then this other thing is really great, right? <laughs> right? True? And the same thing God is, God is saying, you know what? I have paid such a big price for you to see yourself as a downer all the time. Because if, if, if you don't see any value in yourself, then how are you going to be able to take what God is putting on you to be able to go minister to other people? How can an empty, broken cup be able to pour into somebody who needs something? So ask God to shine a light in all those corners of your life. Pray to God and ask him, Lord, what do I need to do in my life in order for me to continue to glorify you? What is that thing that I'm holding on to that is driving me away from you and not letting you use me the way you're supposed to use me? 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, for you, you, turn to the person next to you and say you. My goodness, I was so weak. Okay, let's try again. <laughs> Turn to the pastor next to you and say, you. <laughs> Good, that was better. For you are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You, you, the person who's refusing to say you, but you were bought at a price. Yes. At a price, a costly price. A price that cannot be even, you know, there can never be an equivalence of the price that you are bought at. Yes. And it says you are bold, so then your body, everything you have, your spirit, your body can glorify God. Yes. Though these are God's. And Matthew 10, 29, 31 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hair in your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore you are more valuable than these sparrows. Yes. You are valuable. And I, and I understand that, yes, Paul talks about these gifts, but in order for us to understand why he goes to this extent of talking about gifts, we have to understand that God really does look at you and says you are more valuable. And if you are valuable, I can put something that's valuable, that has value in you, so then it can glorify me. But if we always, as Christians, we are walking with our heads down and we don't realize that God has paid a price for us to know that we are valuable, then how are we going to do what God is calling us to do? How are we going to appropriate these gifts that we have? The world out there, you tell them, like, we, you go, I listen, I, I'm in business, so I do listen to some of these motivational people. And they talk, and by the time I'm done with an hour online, and I'm like, yes, I can sell a mountain. It doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> tell me where it is, right? But yet, we come here every Sunday, every Wednesday, we hear it over and over, and then we live out here with our heads down and don't realize that God has done so much for us. And in closing... <laughs> Know what you're worth in the eyes of God today. Yeah. Know what you're worth, not based on the opinion of others, 
not based by what Facebook or Instagram says that this is what it's supposed to be, right? Not controlled by self-desires and greed, right? And not defined by fear and insecurities that you have. Know who you really are. Like, really know who you truly are before God. Because when you do that, when you know what your identity is, then you can do much more than you think or imagine because God is going to be in you. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepares before, beforehand where we should walk in them. Before you were born, God had a plan for you. Yeah. The creator of the world, he had a plan for you. That tells me that I am valuable as long as I stay with the creator, right? Romans 1, uh, 12, 3 says, For by grace, the unmerited favor of God, given to me, I warn everybody among you not to, of, to, estimate, not to estimate and think himself more highly than he ought to, to be, not to exaggerate opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with sober judgment, each according to the degree of faith appropriated by God to him. So let us judge ourselves with our soberness. And soberness doesn't necessarily mean just looking at the negative side. It's just sitting there and say, stripping everything out. And it's you and God and say, God, how do you see me? How do you see me? How do you see me? What do I need to do in my life to continue to please you? When you think about when you created, when you start, when you stand or start down, I don't know what God did. But he said, hey, I'm going to create you. Right? He had a plan. He had a plan. And so now it's 2022 in April. You sit there and ask God, God, it's April 2022. When you created me and you had a plan about me and my life, does where I'm at, does it really align, does it go with what you thought it's going to be? If I look at where you thought I was going to be in this time of the year, in where I'm at right now, am I the same way? Have I gone away? Have I exceeded expectations? Am I... Cause if we do these things at work every five years, every one year, two years, how come we don't go before God and ask him, God, why don't you check me see what I'm doing? Because you know when your employer calls you to like, hey, we're going to do a review, you know you look at all those numbers and see how you're doing first before you even go to him, right? Yeah. But this is eternal life. Yeah. That's not a paycheck. Yeah. So let's take a moment to do those things. Yeah. Use the word of God to check yourself. Don't just check yourself with the things of, God, of, of the world. Second yeah. Corinthians 15, 5 says, Examine yourself and see whether you are in, in the faith. Test yourself and do, and do you not realize this about you, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. So he's saying, test yourself first. Look at yourself and see, where am I? Do an inventory check. Because if you, if you don't do an inventory check, then it says, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. And he's written it in the Bible. He said, I have, I have grace. I have mercy. You can come before me. The Holy Spirit in us. Holy Spirit, search my heart. Review those things in me that needs to be so I can be a great vessel. Because he's already claimed that you are, you are, you are a treasure. You've been bought for a price. You're going to be used. So now test yourself. When you know you're worth in Christ, you can be useful in his kingdom. Yes. Yes. 
Paul doesn't talk about the past. He doesn't say, hey, you can only be using the kingdom because of your past or your family status or your education or your net worth. He's talking about the grace that is given to everybody, even himself. And today, grace is available for anyone who put his trust in Jesus. And it's that simple. And so tonight I'm asking you, what do you see when you test yourself? What do you see when you test yourself? My second point is this. Are you guys with me? Yes. Hold your position. Hold your position. So Romans 12, 4 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually, and individually members of one another. So Paul is saying, after we have judged ourselves right, after we've, see, we've brought our, after we've thought about what Christ thinks about us, after we've judged ourselves right, it's time to hold our position according to this grace, these gifts that God has given us, that he has awarded us. And so one of the stories that really uh, inspires me, and I've, I think I'm, I've spoken about this before, is Nehemiah's story. Nehemiah, to me, is somebody who just went out there and trusted God, and God just used him in a mighty way. Right? And so in the, if you don't know the story of Nehemiah, just, uh, uh, if you look in the book of Nehemiah, you should read it. That's your homework. Yes? <laughs> if you, if when you read the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was a cupbearer, and he learned that after 70 years of captivity, captivity of his people, they returned to Jerusalem, and the city had been raided, and the, the walls had been torn. And this brought him to grief, and so he went before God and prayed, and God gave him, gave him the direction. So God answered his prayer by softening the heart of the Persian king, who gave him not only the blessing, but also gave him surprise. So he went. And, 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 and so he took all this, and he went to the people and said, hey, we have, we can, we, because God has given us this, we can be able to rebuild, we can be able to build the kingdom. And so I'm not going to go into Nehemiah 3, because the whole chapter just... just um, talks a lot about what they were doing, but I'll read a little bit about, I'll skip back and forth, it's not up there, so go read Nehemiah. But when they went to rebuild the wall, everybody took their position. One family would take this section, another family would take this section, another family would take that section, another family would take that section. And it says like, um, then Eliasib the, the, Eliasib the high king rose up and his brother, and his brother the priest, and they built the ship gate. Then it goes and says, the sons of Hassanem built the fish gate. Then it says, um, and I'm just jumping back and forth. And then they laid the beam. Then the, uh, uh, the Joada, the son of Pashe, and that other name I can't read. They laid the beams. They set the doors. Then it says, next to them was Jedida, the son of Huramba, repaired opposite the house. And then it says, Han and the inhabitants of Zohar repaired the valley gate. They built it and set it. So what's happening, and if you look at Nehemiah uh, chapter 3, Every family is building a section and a section. And we are not talking about a, a war around freedom and victory. We are talking about miles and miles and miles. That if you don't take care of your section, nobody is gonna be, there's, there's nobody who's going to be like, hey, man, you're, you're, you're dropping something because they're going to be concentrating on their war and the path that they were doing, right? And so that story to me inspires a lot because even at one point when they were facing, uh, they were facing um, opposition from the people, who, who, the people around there, they still continue to work together. Even when they face 
opposition, they continued to work together. There wasn't anywhere in Nehemiah, and I was reading it, there was nowhere where there was division, separation, trying to, to outdo each other. There wasn't a place where you guys are not holding your wall. Even when they were being attacked by the enemy, they still worked together. They didn't, they, it wasn't like, oh, hey, we, we, we are doing all well and everything is good. And they said, Even when they were attacked by the enemy, in the midst of building a wall, they still worked together. Yes. What, would that, what would the church look like if that's what we did? Yes. That it didn't matter what we are going on in our life. It didn't matter what was happening out there. It didn't matter what was happening in our church. Because we've examined ourselves. We've tested ourselves, we've readied our heart, we've allowed Christ to come in our heart and check us, and now we are good and we are holding our position, and now we are moving forward as one army. What would the church look like if we did that? Nehemiah 4, 15, 19 says, When our enemies heard that it was, it was known to us that God had frustrated their plan, we, were, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. Because that's what happened. When we work in unity, God comes in and he helps us. Because we are not so worried about divisions and all those things that happen, right? From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction. They have held the spear, shield, bows, and coats, and nails. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah, who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each laborer on the work with one hand, with one hand and, and held his weapon with the other. So what's happening? Even in the midst of chaos, they do not stop working because they have a common goal. They are working with one hand, they are holding the sword with another. That's commitment. And not only are they trying to secure themselves, but they are securing the person who's next to them. They are watching each other's back. They are not like men, I'm covering myself, I'm only caring about myself. They are, they are watching for each other's back because as Paul is talking, he says, we are one thing as a church. And each of the builders had his sword strapped in the side that where he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And then I say to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, listen to this. The work is great and widespread. This is Nehemiah saying, the work is great and widespread, and we are, sep- we, are se- we are separated on the wall far from each other. The work is great, and we are separated by wall far from each other. That means that we are here, and we are building the church. That means they are in California, and they are building the church. That means they are in another state, they are building the church. But we are all doing the same thing. We are not tearing each other down. We are not trying to outdo each other. We are not trying to do those things that just corrupt the process that God has given us. That's what Nehemiah is saying. The wall is big, and we are not supervising anybody. Everybody is doing their part. And guess what? He said, the, great wo- the work is great and widely spread. Yes. Can we say that about our church today? Amen. Their attacks did not affect them. They adapted. And because they had learned to hold their position, they were okay. And this is what, what Paul is talking in Romans 12, 3. He's saying, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. All these people had different things. Some hung the gates, others did the walls, others did all these different things. But they all worked as, as one thing. So tonight I'm asking you another question for you and myself. Are you holding your position this evening? Are you? My last point is it. 
stay busy. Another way of saying this, let's use, let us use the gifts that have been given to us. Romans 12, 6, 9 saying, having, the, having then gifts differ according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them in prophecy. Let us, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives in uh, liberty, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So Paul's point is that while members of the church, like the part of a human body, have different functions, they belong to one another, and therefore are to serve and promote the well-being of one another. We're supposed to promote and serve the well-being of one another. And guess what? We cannot allow ourselves to be the weak, to be the weak link. We cannot. Do not be a burden to the others because you refuse to use what God has given you as a gift. See, if you know who you are, if you judge yourself according to the word of God, if you are busy holding your position, and if you are staying busy where God has called you, it will be a big surprise if you are out there meddling with other people's business and trying to show them what they are going wrong. If you, are, if you know who you are, if you judge yourself according to the word of God, if you're busy holding your position, and if you're staying busy where God has called you, it'll be a surprise if you had time for division in the church, if you had time for envy because of somebody's position, if you had time to judge somebody else's work. Because if you're holding your position and doing what you're supposed to, you would not be concerned about that. Like this week, I was thinking about this, uh, I was thinking about this message because today I was working and I was talking to somebody and they called me and uh, I had a really busy day and I've just had a busy week. And they were, uh, they were in an airport and they were talking and I was like, what are you guys, because I hear they are talking like almost an argument. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And they were talking about J-Lo. And I was like, Jennifer Lopez, right? <laughs> and I was just like, who? And they were, they were discussing whatever they were discussing. And he says, what do you think about this and this? And I was like, bro, how do you have time for that? Right? <laughs> he was like, what do you mean? I'm like, I am so busy. I can't even do what's in front of me. You want me to think about what? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm sitting here and I'm like, what? how do people find time to do these things? <laughs> right? And so it's the same thing. If you are busy doing the work of God where he called you, how are you going to find time for division? How are you going to have time for envy? How are you going to have time to start looking at other people to see how they are doing? I don't have time for Jennifer Lopez. I don't even remember who she is. I literally was like, who? Oh, that, okay. We ought to stay on the task, the task and know that these gifts that are given to God by us, one day we're going to give an account for them. And two, I know that in the, in the world we think that there are big gifts and small gifts. But God is saying all these gifts, no matter how big, whether it's somebody who stands here or somebody who cleans or somebody who just encourages each other or somebody who just blesses other people, they are all the same. And 1 Corinthians 12, 21, 26 says, 26 says, as it is, there are many parts yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor have the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the part of the body that seems to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we, we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and unpresentable parts, uh, parts are treated with great modesty. 
which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, given great honor to the part that is lacking, and that there, is, there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Yes. If one member suffers, all suffer together. Yes. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Yes. There's a quote from uh, Matthew Henley that he says, um, we must be content though, we are lower than we, we must be content though we are lower and less than others. We must not despise others if we have greater if we have greater gifts. How blessed is the Christi, Christian church if all the members did their duty instead of coveting the highest station or the most pretty gift, let us leave the appoint, appointment to the, of the instrument to God and to those of whom he works by his providence. Remember, those who will not be approved hereafter who seek the chief place, but those who are most faithful to the trust placed in them, the more diligent in the master's work. So what he's saying is, instead of us coveting all the, the, high, the high station, God is not going to judge you on, hey, you are in this big position. He's not going to do that. He's going to judge on why you true to where he's put you. Yes. Remember, you are a vessel. So being a vessel, why are you true to the things that was put in there, the work that you've done? And as I close, I want to talk about Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave me for me. I think I spoke about this last Sunday and I talked about if we really took, took this verse that we have been crucified with Christ that we are dead to ourselves that we belong to Christ the minute you say I give my life to Christ then God takes control and gets through all those things then we can be okay going before God and saying you live in me test me areas of my life, my life, they are lacking. This part, I know. We all know our weaknesses. Our strongest critic is ourselves, Right? But at the same time, making sure that because I said we have been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live. So guess what? The, the lies of the enemy, the fear that we have, those things that we are listening to, the enemy is telling us that we cannot amount to whatever he's, he's saying, those things are not true because I do not belong to myself anymore. I belong to Christ. And if I belong to Christ, I do not care what you say I am. My kids, they are, they, they are moogies, so if it doesn't matter who you tell them they are. You can't be like, oh, you guys are my from today onwards. No, it doesn't matter because they know what their identity is. And so even for us, as we walk in and we know, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I do not care what the world tells me. I don't care what anybody tells me. I don't try to compare myself with other people. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go before God and I'm telling him, Lord, you live in me. Search my heart. Search my heart, Lord. This area, Lord, I am weak at this day. I am weak and be vulnerable to God. I learned, I think probably like about seven years ago, I learned how to be vulnerable to God. I came from a, a, um, a, a culture where we don't talk about our emotions. We don't talk about how we feel. We don't, talk about, we don't talk about things. We just go through those things. They say tears fall on the inside. That's what I grew up knowing. But it got to a point where 
I couldn't even go, go to God and show him the areas of my life where I was lacking. I always wanted to prove myself like, God, look at me. I'm trying over here. But it was so freeing. I remember it was one night I was, I was putting the girls to bed and this was a while back so they were little. And I went on the floor and I stopped praying. And I remember telling God, God, I am no good at ABCD. Lord, I need you in this place. God, this, this thing has been, I've been carrying for too long. It's so much I cannot bear with me. Lord, you created me. You know me. I'm bringing them to you right now. And that was such a freeing moment. I remember I was on the floor just crying. And it wasn't cry of, hey, this. It was cry of freedom because I had told God that I am vulnerable before you, God. And Lord, if you're going to use me as a vessel, which he ended up using me and using all of us, I believe that those are the moments that was defining. Like at that moment, I told God, Lord, if you're going to use this vessel, you're going to have to do a work in it right now. And Lord, I realize that I need work. I realize that I need work. But I also realize that you're greater than the issues that I have. has been paid and then after that hold your position and then continue to walk in the way our God has called you Father in the name of Jesus we worship you tonight God we thank you God because you're always refining us God you're always refining us Lord but Jehovah God you created us and you have a plan O King of Glory Father like we spoke today, Father, if you are looking at us and saying, 2020, 2022, you are supposed to be here, but you're not because we've allowed the lies, we've allowed the world, we've allowed all these things to hold us back. Could you please help us, Lord, so we can go back to where you want us to be, Lord? Could you please just come into our heart and show us, God, what we need to do in our life so we can be a power with what you've called us to be, Lord? Could you please show us, O King of Glory, Father, how you see us, mighty King of Glory. You, you look at us, Father, you say you have great thoughts about us, Lord. Could you please, Jehovah God, look upon us, O King of Glory, Father, and give us that reassurance that, yes, we can be vulnerable before you, God, because you're not going to judge us like the world is going to judge us, mighty King of Glory, Father. But Jehovah God, you, you're going to be gentle, Father. You're going to be gentle. You've done it for me, God, and I know you can do for all of us, mighty King of Glory, Jesus. God, I pray, mighty King of Glory, that you may move tonight, Lord, in our hearts, in our minds, Lord. Let us go with our heads high, mighty King of Glory, knowing that, Jehovah God, you have gone before us, O oh God. You order our steps, mighty King of Glory, Lord. And tonight, if you're here and you do not know Christ, that's the first step. Just allowing Christ to come into your life and saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I've gone away from you, Lord. And all this I do not understand because my thoughts and, and my actions are different. But you want Lord to come in your life and, and take a hold and walk with you. So if that's you, go ahead and raise your hand and we'll pray with you. And if you're online too as well, 
just go ahead and send us a message at victory.com slash welcome and we'll pray with you. So if you're that today here and you really want to give your life to Christ and change your life, this your time. Also, if you've been walking with Christ before, you've walked with Christ before and you you walked away, maybe one or two things, the, the, the enemy lied to you and, and you end up falling for that. God is saying, welcome back home. So if that's you, say a prayer in your heart and tell the Lord, welcome back into my heart. I want to continue walking with you. Restore me, Father. Restore my identity. Restore my identity. Lord, we worship you. We praise you, God, and we thank you for this word, God. I pray a covering over it in the mighty name of Jesus that the enemy does not steal this, Lord. We worship you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, see you guys on Sunday. We'd like to thank you so much for joining us today online. We want to encourage you to like our Facebook page, follow us on social media. If you're a regular watcher of Faith and Victory Online, would you please send us a message because we want to get to know you. We want to be connected with you. Make sure you like and share this video, and we'll see you next week at Faith and Victory Church. We love you. Have a great day.